Welcome to the American Med Spa Podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch is joined by Aaron Hennessy, nurse practitioner and owner of Blush Aesthetics. Okay, welcome everybody. This is Alex Tiersch and welcome to another edition of Medical Spa Insider. We have um, on the AmSpa hotline, as I like to call it, um, the very talented Aaron Hennessy of Blush Aesthetics in Toledo, Ohio. Aaron, uh, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. No, of course. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, it's a pleasure, um, Aaron. We've you know. Um, I, I've gotten to know you a little bit over the over the course of the last year or so. Um, you're part of the the AmSpa Safety, the Aesthetic Safety Council. Um, you're a big, you know, you're you're very big with energy devices, and you've you've certainly you're a nurse practitioner. So um, the, the, you've got a lot of knowledge when it comes to to the quote mid level profession in, in aesthetics. I would love uh, if you could just give everybody a quick. Um, you know, twenty-second Reader's Digest view of 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 yourself and your and your practice and kind of what you focus on um, in in Ohio. Sure. So I came from an RN background of pediatric trauma, ICU, reconstructive and burn management. Mm-hmm. So I've been working with skin since I started out as an RN. Um, back in 2000, which sounds crazy to me because that means I've been doing this for over 20 years. But um, as a nurse practitioner, when I went through my training, I wanted to do family because I wanted to be able to see babies all the way up through grandparents. It was really important that I wasn't limited by age as far as the improvement that we could make with individuals. So when I had to choose which specialty, I really wanted to do family. And I'm glad that I chose that now in retrospect. So how did you finish? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was going to ask. Yeah, just I was going to ask, like, like how how you got into how'd you catch the aesthetics bug? Like, where did that come from? So I worked with a group of amazing plastic surgeons at St. Vincent Mercy Medical in Toledo, Ohio. Um, Dr. Kessler was one of them. And so he was really, I think, influential in how I loved taking care of burn patients. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, one of those individuals that we really had a great Um, collaborative relationship, even as an RN and, you know, kind of being a charge nurse in Peds ICU and calling him for different things and managing these patients and seeing them thrive. Um, It was amazing. I loved doing it. Obviously, burn dressing changes are horrific and Mm -hmm. burns as an injury are terrible. And you're part of this family's life at the worst possible moment. But seeing them get better and seeing their improvement and seeing them walk out of the hospital and then come back year after year and thank you and, you know, talk about where they are and how they're doing and their life now and seeing some of these kids go on and, and get married and have children themselves and graduate from college. I mean, it was just an amazing experience to be a part of that. Um, so yes, it was, you know, kind of that worst moment, but you see all of the amazing things that come out of that. And so I loved the journey. That was what I was really grateful for. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with my patients now going from recording in progress. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was something else. Just the computer. No problem, no problem. So, you know, going, going from that in hospital management 
to yeah. then graduating with my NP and deciding that I wanted to do something a little bit more outpatient, still with skin, still with healing and skin improvement, but moving more toward energy-based devices mm-hmm. was really what drew me. Mm-hmm. I am a bit of a science geek. I love chemistry and physics. And this was kind of the best of all the things that I loved. It was skin management. It was a lot of chemistry. It was a lot of physics and trying to figure out what things live in the skin, where they live, what we need to use to get down to that level for improvement and how much of an improvement we can make in the skin. And so with every patient that I see, I always kind of joke, I don't have any care plans that are exactly identical from one patient to the next because everyone's different. Right. Right. Have you, that's, that, that's fascinating. I actually did not know you were, you were, um, you started off in, in, in the burn unit that, that must've been, you're right. It must have been really tough at times, but also very gratifying at times. What did you, first of all, do you still do any, do you still do any work with, with, with burn patients or, um, are you, have you moved on to aesthetics full time? So I do. So even though we do aesthetics, I do see a ton of trauma and burn patients after the fact that have scars yep. that they want managed. Okay. So I do tend to do a lot of scar management. Um, there are patients that we do see pro bono as well, victims of uh, domestic violence, um, children with, with injuries that whose parents can't afford to get them that improvement. Um, time is sometimes of the essence with mm-hmm. these injuries. And so I never want a child to have to deal with the after effect of something like that simply because their parents couldn't afford um, to manage that. And, you know, with victims of domestic violence, sometimes when they have, you know, ligature marks in the neck and wrists and different things like that, it's a constant reminder of what they went through traumatically. And so it's almost like a daily PTSD reminder for them when they see it. And a lot of times they also are trying to get back on their feet. They don't necessarily have the means to, Mm -hmm. um, achieve the type of goals with their skin that they'd like to see improvement. In. And so we do see those patients and I, I just, I, I can't in my heart charge them for that because I just, I love the fact that we can do something for them to improve it. So we do see aesthetic patients. We do see burn patients. We do see some folks that have financial need that can't afford mm-hmm. okay. um, some of those services. Okay. And, um, so blush aesthetics is what your, you know, we call it med spa, but your, your, your clinic is, is, is called, um, do you, what's the, is, is the primary focus of your, of your practice, um, energy-based devices or do you, and do you also do injectables? It's a little bit of both. So I would say that we are very heavy on energy-based devices, but they work really hand-in-hand with injectables so well when it comes to creating a more youthful appearance. So when we talk about our patients' goals, a lot of times what we're hearing from them is they want to look more youthful, Mm -hmm. they want to look refreshed, Mm -hmm. they want to look Mm well-rested, they essentially want to look like a better version of themselves, like they just got back from vacation and Mm -hmm. their skin's glowing and they actually got sleep and they look fantastic. They don't really want to look like someone who they've never been. They don't want to look fake and they don't want to look overdone or contrived. And so a lot of my consultation revolves around what bugs you when you're looking in the mirror Mm -hmm. and you're seeing something that makes you feel less than confident. What is that? And then we kind of focus there first Mm -hmm. because I think that confidence is so important. And so if there's something that really bothers them day after day, Mm -hmm. if, if I don't help improve that, 
I don't know that they're necessarily going to be happy with anything else that we do. So just because I see something in them that I feel like I can improve, it doesn't mean that that bothers them. Right, right. No, that's so that's so that interesting. Conversation revolves around that. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I, there was, um, I think, it was maybe Steve Diane, who um, is a facial plastic in Chicago, very well known. Who I, I and a long time ago, he gave a talk. And he said almost exactly that. He said someone came in and they had like whether it was a birthmark or a burn or a scar or something, and he just assumed they were coming in to be, to be treated on that. And but he did ask the question anyway. He's like, so what what bothers you? And it wasn't that. It was something totally different. And he was just that said I was blown away by the fact that there was something that seemed so obvious to him on the outward appearance, but it wasn't. It was something else. And you have to treat what's bothering them. So that's so interesting. How, I mean, do you find that that happens quite a bit? I do. I do find that it happens. Um, you know, we have a lot of patients here in the Midwest that go to the lake all summer long. Um, You know, we only get three months where we see sun. And so the minute we see it, people tend to go out and just burn themselves to a crisp in it. And then they tan the rest of the summer. Then they see absolutely nothing for nine months. And then they go right back out in it. So there's a lot of sun damage. So when I see patients, a lot of times what I'm seeing immediately is what I can improve as far as our laser-based and energy-based devices are, which is a lot of the sun damage and the skin damage and prevention of skin cancers by helping some of those, you know, skin cells and skin barriers work better, act better, look better. And they'll come in and say, well, I feel like my lips are losing volume. And I Mm kind of look and I'm like, oh, (laughs) we can help you with your skin, but you're just concerned about your lips. But again, if if we don't address their concern about their lips first, they're, you know, they're not going to be happy with us. So that's why we really like to do comprehensive consultations with a Vizia analysis machine, where no matter what they're coming in for, we take a look at what's going on with their skin, Mm -hmm. because that's really a huge part of that youthful aesthetic is where do you have volume loss? Yeah. Where's your damage? You know, what do things look like? The other thing that I like to talk about is Jesus made you a certain way. And your bone structure is your bone structure. There are certain things we can improve, and then there are certain things that we can't change. And so we like to talk about those realistic expectations of this is unique to you, and it makes you who you are, and it's wonderful. Yeah. And then these are the things that are bothering you, and here's what we can do to improve that. That's 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 so interesting. Most of the the, the best. Um, consultations that I that I see and the folks who know who give the best consultations take that exact approach. It's it's the whole kind of the not the whole body but the whole face approach. I'm curious, what, what do you say to somebody who say they let's say just like your example, they come in and they're worried about their lip volume, right? Um, but then you, you want to do you know the Vizia analysis and, and and do kind of the whole skin analysis. How do you transition from saying okay they're here for their lips or maybe they want Botox in their forehead or whatever? How do you get from that to giving them a full face consultation? Like, is there a process that you do? Are there magic words that you do, or do you just do you just start zapping them? You know, it's really all about education. I like to say that our patients are the best educated patients out there, and then they make decisions that are best for them from there. So we kind of arm them with the information, and then they can make a decision from there on what they'd like to start with. So when we do that Vizia analysis, even if it's a lip patient, let's say, Mm -hmm. we take a look at their skin and we say, you know, here's what we're seeing as far as percentages based on other people in your age group. Is this something that bothers you? It's a very simple question. Is this something that bothers you? And if they say no, we like to say, okay, 
If it's ever something that becomes concerning to you, just know that we have tools in our practice to help. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we leave it there. Mm-hmm. So we educate them about how they got this damage, what we're seeing in the skin, how they can prevent it. We talk about retinols. We talk about sunscreen. We talk about sun avoidance. And then we kind of go through, you know, all of the phases of skin and where they got this damage. Most of the time it's before the age of 18 when they were out in the sun, especially people my age in their fourth decade of life. We were the tanning bed yeah. people. Yep. We were the folks that, oh, you're getting ready for vacation. You yeah. need a base tan. Go to the tanning bed. I oh, you remember. have homecoming coming up. Oh, definitely get a white dress and make sure that you go to the tanning bed so you look good. And then, oh, you broke up with your boyfriend. I'm so sorry. It's so depressing. <laughs> Let's go to the tanning bed. Yeah. So it was one of those things where we damaged our skin. And really until 1998, when a lot of those sentinel studies came out about skin cancer and sunscreen, we weren't you know, regularly applying SPF like I do now to my children. I assault them with SPF at the right, right. But we didn't do that. So a lot of folks that are coming in and, and looking for improvements, they look at their skin and they start to get upset about it. And I'm like, listen, you didn't know at the time all of this happened that this is how it was going to end up. We didn't know right. that. So don't be too hard on yourself, but just know that we have things that we can do to improve that. So we talk about injectables. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of concerns out there about injectables. People have a lot of fear that they're going to walk out of the office and look weird. I think that's the number one fear that they have. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about starting with energy-based devices, I think it makes them more comfortable Mm -hmm. because we're really talking about improving their skin. They're not going to look different. They're just going to look better, more youthful. And so from there, then I like to discuss injectables after we kind of get the skin situated because we can make your cheeks look gorgeous and your lips and we can use Botox and we can smooth your lines. But if we don't get rid of all the sun damage, you're not going to look better or more well-rested or youthful. You're just going to look like a damaged skin person that has cheek filler and lip filler and Botox. Right. No, so that's it really so true. kind of negates that, that nice natural look. Yeah. Is that and is this this approach with with the consult where you're talking, you know, skin injectables? Do you do that for all of your patients? I do. I do it for all of my patients, and I'm always a little surprised as to what the baseline education level on just simple skin management is. Things like washing your face. Yeah. Um, you know, when we ask people tell me how you wash your face. And they look at us like we're crazy. And I'm like, what steps do you go through? Are you using your hands? Are you using a washcloth? Are you using a Clarisonic? What type of cleanser are you using? How long do you have that cleanser on your face? Are you using hot water? Are you using cold water? It seems so simple. It's like, oh, I just washed my face. Yeah. But there are so many different factors even to that. Are you washing your face before you go to bed at night? Are you sleeping in makeup? Are you going to sleep with makeup on? You know, what? what is your routine look like? Walk me through what that is. And with some people, it's, you know, I wash my skin with bar soap and I go to bed. And then with others, it's this very elaborate 12-step process where it sounds like, you know, the 12 steps of AA or something like that, where I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is doing a lot. Like (laughs) we can actually lighten this load for you. So I like to start baseline. What are people already doing? Mm -hmm. Let's start there. What do you already have at home? What do you already know about skin? And then let's, let's move from there. But we do a lot of educating. We don't really do a lot of quote selling. Right. We like to let folks know about what we have, what they do, how it can help them, how it can help others. And then most of the time they're making 
good decisions yeah. based on their budget, you know, based on what's important to them. Yeah, that's all um, you can do. But we're always very realistic about, you know, treatments versus products. Products can only go down so far into the skin without something, some sort of tool, um, ultrasound, microneedling, whatever it might be to get them down to those layers of the skin where we like to say, we like to start with treatments first right? because they give you a bigger bang for your buck. You can get great correction and then you can maintain with topicals. That's, um, God, except, except for going to bed with makeup on, which I, which I rarely if ever do. Um, I'm probably doing everything wrong in that. I would be horrified to do a, an actual Vizia consultation, but I, uh, you know what? So <laughs> you, you're, um, you're an, a nurse practitioner and you obviously went into family practice, nurse practitioner, got into aesthetics. There's a ton of NPs who are out there or who are studying to become NPs or RNs who want to become NPs. Um, and the, 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 a lot of the, the reason they're doing that is because they want to end up in a position where, where you are, where they have their own, you know, their own brand, their own, um, you know, their, their, their own business. Um, how did you get from, and I see that you, you were in, you were in, um, you know, the burn unit and you got your NP. What was your introduction to aesthetics actually? Right? Cause there's, there's a jump from going from, you know, treating burn patients to opening up blush aesthetics and having your own business. Um, what was that transition like and how did you get there? So when I was doing my training, I had the great good fortune of being able to uh, be a research assistant because I was a, a financially deficit uh, college student in grad school who had two kids who was looking for any type of discount on tuition or any way to make that tuition up. So I was able to assist with uh, several different studies that involve laser therapy and skin, okay. both from a medical and an aesthetic standpoint. So a couple of the studies were looking at collagenesis. A couple of the studies were looking at superficial skin cancers like basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma. And then there were also obviously aesthetic um, differences that we were looking for in the skin as well. So I was able to work with the Saiton Jewel in that mm-hmm. capacity, broadband light, halo, profractional, and we were very familiar with profractional because that's one of the modalities that we utilize for burn patients who have graft sites, mm-hmm. who are inflexible and in areas um, where, you know, the joint is bending or the fingers bend and you're trying to improve the skin there without surgery. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these folks have to have multiple surgeries over their lifetime to release contractures of the skin. And so there was a lot of attention at that time around using profractional therapy and CO2 and other energy-based devices to create a better skin structure Mm -hmm. and to create more flexibility in the skin. So it went from kind of doing laser for burn Mm -hmm. to doing laser for skin cancer to doing light therapy Mm -hmm. to all of a sudden, wait, it makes the skin actually act differently. It makes the skin look better, makes it act better. So it went from using it medically to using it aesthetically. And so I, I definitely paid attention mainly because I had acne scars. This was completely selfish on my part to begin with. <laughs> I had really bad acne scars. I was mm-hmm. on Accutane a couple times. Um, I struggled with acne, mm-hmm. and I also understood what that looked like from a confidence standpoint because acne scars are really hard to cover with makeup. You, yeah. you can't do it. It actually makes them look worse. And I'm not really a good makeup artist, frankly, yeah. Alex. I'm not <laughs> good at it. I can sculpt you all day long with filler. 
do not ask me to paint anything on your face, please, because <laughs> okay. you will be so disappointed Point taken. what you see. <laughs> so, but so, so really, it was selfish. No, I get that. And, and acne is a huge issue. I mean, it's a huge issue for, 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 for people. So I, I think, I think that's, that's, that's really astute of you. But then, um, when did you make the decision that you were going to go out on your own and actually open a business? So after a couple of years working in plastic surgery, and I absolutely loved the doctors that I worked with, um, I felt like I wanted to do more. And I felt like I wanted to do more with energy-based devices. And unfortunately, in the insurance world, they're not really very well covered. And mm-hmm. so I needed to move from insurance world to non-insurance world. And when you're in a medical practice that practices insurance-based, mm-hmm. that's really challenging. So Wait, and, 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 and just real quick, Aaron. So you're saying in the the energy based devices for treating burn patients or or acne patients or skin patients in the medical setting is typically not covered by insurance, um, even if it's a even if it's like a pre existing condition that you're that you're trying to like acne scarring. You can get some things covered. Okay. It's just difficult. Very, very challenging. Gotcha. Very gotcha. difficult. Okay. It's a lot of fighting. It's a lot of back and forth with insurance companies. It's paying a biller to essentially do right. that full time. Right. Gotcha. To try to recoup those costs. Okay. So there are some billing services and some providers that are amazing at getting some of these things covered. And then but most of all, it's not covered. I right. mean, acne scars, um, even scars that are aesthetically displeasing, but not medically prohibitive of mm-hmm. movement um, that aren't painful. Mm-hmm. Um, and mainly the biggest thing we see with scars that I would say is really detrimental is itching. Mm-hmm. And people don't talk about that really. Right. They, they just don't discuss it. Um, but itching, if you think about pain versus itching, itching is terrible. Yeah. You know, with pain, you can at least right. take some medication and and it, you know, softens the blow of it. But with itching, it's just really challenging. Yeah. So that those things are really not concerning to insurance companies right. because they're not going to necessarily hurt you long term. Right. It's it's so interesting how the 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 insurance coverage issue plays into people getting into aesthetics because I've heard that a lot with 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 physicians particularly, um, you know, ER physicians and family practice physicians. Um, it's the first time I've really talked to someone who's a nurse practitioner about that. But it's it's interesting. So so uh, I, I I cut you off, but so I talk about how that kind of led to your your decision to to go off and open your own business. So you know falling in love with my sight time machine and and research and then, you know, not being able to really do that um, in practice. Obviously there was, you know, certain barriers to that. Um, I really wanted to get back into doing that. It really was important to me that I was doing something meaningful that I was passionate about. And I was really passionate about helping other people put their best face forward and feel confident and not feel like things like traumatic scars, acne scars, burn scars, were holding them back, or even just things that made them um, less confident with regards to their skin. Um, You know, women are really hard on themselves. Not that men aren't, but I think to a certain level, women um, are exceptionally hard on themselves. And when we have things like Instagram and Snapchat and Facebook and filters, all of these different things. That's one of the biggest things I see right now, especially with teenagers is they haven't seen anybody at school, some of them for a whole year. So they've had a year that they haven't really had contact at school. And now they have active acne and you can't walk around with a Snapchat filter over your face when you're walking around school. And so they're trying to figure out how do I look like this filter? 
And so, you know, again, those conversations about, you know, acne, I always say, is not a one night stand relationship. It's a marriage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, you know, you're going to be with me for a little bit. This is going to be a partnership. This is going to be long term improvement. There's not many things out there um, with acne, with regard to acne, that are just a one and done for sure. Yeah. You know, this is going to be, we're going to get you improved and then we're going to get you on a maintenance plan. Um, there are some really interesting things out there though, that have been up and coming like Agnes. I don't know if you're familiar with the Agnes therapy. So they have a radio frequency based device that has different needles to it. And it's based out of South Korea. There are nine of the hundred needles that are available to it that are FDA approved in the U.S. And one of them is to combat active cystic acne, which traditionally we have said you really need Accutane for. Mm-hmm. And so we're able to go into active lesions mm-hmm. and eliminate that sebaceous gland without disrupting anything around it. And so that's really exciting because people traditionally, when they're incredibly broken out like that, yeah. um, they're they're upset. They, they yeah. want anything... Yeah to make it go away. They come into our office, they're tearful, um, which breaks my heart. And we haven't had anything great to use on active acne. And so now we have Agnes and that therapy is going to be life-changing for some cystic acne patients. We have broadband light forever clear that really in, you know, six treatments, we can get folks incredible results and great clearance, especially when we're using it with other things like diamond glow and chemical peels and, um, some of the other topical therapies and retinols we have. So we have really, I think, shifted the way that people think about acne mm-hmm. in our practice. And certainly there are those patients that are candidates for Accutane. And we are, I feel like, really good about, again, educating on every single option, whether we offer it or not, right. and saying, here are the things that are available to you. Where would you like to start? And if they want to start with Accutane, we have great providers that we work with in dermatology here in town that we can send them to and yeah. we know that they're going to get excellent yeah. care. So, yeah. you know, we try to be up on the latest and greatest things as far as technology goes in helping our patients. It's always expensive to bring on to the practice yeah. from a business standpoint. Every time I'm like, so there's this machine. <laughs> I think my husband kind of cringes and is like, oh my God, yes. what, what now? How many zeros what, what does it we, have after that? What are we looking at? <laughs> How much does this cost? You know? Yeah. But I think it's important when you are, you know, competing with, you know, plastic surgery practices, dermatology practices, yeah. that you have something that, that separates you. And yeah. so, you know, for nurse practitioners who are looking to get into this field, my advice is first get great experience with very good providers and educators in dermatology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You need to really understand the skin on an anatomical level and get some experience in treating it and understanding what prescriptive therapies are available, what energy-based therapies are available, injectable-based therapies, everything that's out there so that when you start your own practice, you know what you want to include in that, what you'd like to offer, Mm -hmm. and also partner up with other people that are in your same area for the things that you're not going to offer. Right. Right. Because that's important as well. You have to build those relationships. Um, We don't do facelifts and we don't do tummy tucks or breast augmentations, but we have an amazing plastic surgeon and Dr. Kessler, who I've worked with for years in saying, if this is something you're really serious about, 
you know, you can go ahead and have a consultation with him and he waives the fee for our patients, which is wonderful. And so it's a great partnership. Yeah. You know, we have dermatologists in the area that we can send to and say, you know, Hannah's going to take great care of you. Um, the gals at this office are wonderful. Um, and we're going to give them a call and let them know that you're coming and give them, you know, a little bit of a briefing. So I think that working in the area that you want to establish your practice in, yep. gaining kind of some insight into what that demographic looks like right because everywhere is a little bit different yeah so you have to know who you're treating what they're interested in mm -hmm. and then making sure that you have a great depth and breadth knowledge on skin skin care anatomy if you're going to be doing injectables that includes blood vessels right. safety right. you know you have to be first and foremost, a safe provider. Yeah. I, you know, and I have, so that includes experience. Absolutely. Um, God, I have, I have so many questions for you now after, <laughs> but, um, cause the, the, the first thing is, um, when we do our, um, so AmSpa does, you know, med spa business boot camps where we'll, we'll give people business, you know, training. One of the things that we always talk about is, you know, when you're, when you're doing your marketing, whether it's when you're starting your business or even when you're doing your business, you have to do something to separate yourself, right? Like you said. So, you know, what's your kind of hook? Like, like, what are you trying to, who are you trying to reach? Um, like you said, and do, do, in your, in your marketing at, at, at blush, do you, are, are you focused mostly on marketing your energy pr uh, practice? I mean, is that kind of where you start? And I, another way to ask that are people who come in, is it mostly for um, energy devices, acne, things like that, or, or what, what kind of approach are you taking for getting patients in the door? You know, a lot of our patients come in and they know what they don't like about their skin or about their facial structure, but they don't really know exactly what they need for it. Or right. we have patients that come in and they say, I need Juvederm right? because Juvederm is very well marketed. Right. And so they come in and they say, I want Juvederm. And then we have to kind of start from the beginning with them and explain, you know, again, what's going on in their skin, all of those things. And then we have the patients that don't know what they want, but know what they don't like. And so I think most of the time, it just depends on what that patient is really asking for. And as far as marketing goes, I like to say I have marketing ADD. I'm terrible with like sticking with one thing. I like to make sure that we're highlighting all mm -hmm. sorts of different things in our practice. Mm -hmm. So in one week, we might have an Instagram post, like today's Instagram post was about Halo. Mm -hmm. And so we talked about why choose blush to get your Halo treatment. Right. And there, we have other providers in the area that have Halo, but we're a national training site for Saitan. We have wonderful providers. We get great results and we're really focused on comfort. So if someone's concerned that they're going to be uncomfortable in their procedure, we have ways of mitigating that in our practice. We have a great group of nurse practitioners that come from all sorts of different backgrounds, neurology, emergency medicine, dermatology, plastic surgery. So we can help with that. And so that was our post today. Mm -hmm. Our post tomorrow is probably going to be on the 20 something year old looking for just a little bit of improvement in their cheeks or under eye area, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we do see a lot of that as well. Perhaps our Friday post will be something about Botox. Okay. So you're, so, so you're, so you're hitting all different channels, but with, with specific messages for those people. It's kind of like investing. We try to diversify our portfolio yeah. a little bit. We yeah. try to put out there the different things that we're offering. And what's interesting about that is I remember talking to a couple marketing groups when we were first starting out, because obviously marketing is your biggest budget when you're starting out. You right. need people to know who you are and that you exist. 
Right. And so we were, you know, interviewing marketing companies, talking to folks. And the biggest thing that they all said is social media isn't going to bring patients into your practice. That's not where decision making is made. Hmm. And I thought that was really curious. And I thought, okay, well, these guys are experts, right? I can take great care of people. I, I don't know a thing about marketing. So I'm going to trust that they are giving me good advice and solid advice. But the more we put out on social media, mm-hmm. the more people asked about it. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, perhaps this isn't where they're making decision making, but it's at least letting them know that this exists. Yeah. And the next time I see them in office, they're asking about it. Yeah. And so maybe it's not where decision making is made, but it's where thoughts are planted and where ideas kind of come to fruition. So we've done a great job, I feel like, of putting out on social media all the things that we have. Right. We try to reach as many people with that platform because it's free. I mean, let's be honest. And people use it. So it's in Toledo. Yeah. And it's not where maybe decisions are made, but you're absolutely right. Like it's where decisions, the, the decision is, you know, that, that process originates. So then maybe they'll go to your website and do look at before and afters and all that kind of stuff. But it, without social media, they're not even going to get there. Right, right. And we did, you know, do a little bit of splurging on our website because I feel like it's the first that people meet you and meet your practice. Yeah. So they they learn about you and then what do they do? They Google mm-hmm. and they Google blush aesthetics mm-hmm. and then they click on your website yep. and that's where they see what your practice looks like. I think that's important to see what the inside of the practice looks like because it decreases anxiety mm-hmm. about what they're going to see when they come in. We have actual pictures of our staff, our front desk girls. So when they come in, they've already seen what this person looks like and what the space looks like. And I think that that helps with anxiety levels because yeah. most people that are coming in, first of all, they're talking about the most sensitive topic to them, which is their insecurities. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's anxiety producing. And then on top of it, we do things with needles and lasers and mm-hmm. people associate that with pain and discomfort. Mm-hmm. And so they're worried that whatever we're going to do is going to hurt them. Yeah. So anything that we can do to decrease anxiety, I feel like is always going to be a good thing. So putting actual treatment videos mm-hmm. out on social media, having videos and patient testimonials on our website, having the different treatments and what they do and what they are and how they're managed on our website. And, you know, I think a lot of, patients that we have too are word of mouth. Someone had an amazing result. They were so happy. They told all of their friends and then those friends come in. And it's interesting because those are the patients that immediately trust us and say, whatever you think is best. And that is both amazing, but it is also a huge responsibility. When someone comes in and they say, whatever you think is best, you know, then it's on us to really make sure that we are on our A game and that we're really choosing what's going to give them the best improvement that they're looking for. What marketing does Starbucks, Hilton, Sephora, and Allergan all have in common? How do they increase their revenue every year? How do they automate their customer retention? And how do they get consistent referrals? The answer may surprise you. Private label mobile rewards. And that's exactly what we do for you at RepeatMD. We grow your high-margin cash-based services by building your own private label mobile rewards app. Just like Starbucks rewards, but built for your aesthetic practice. Here are the results of our average client. 76% increase in patient visitation, a 21% increase in patient spend per visit, 
visit and a 44% increase in referrals. At RepeatMD, we believe your mission is to transform patients' lives, not stress over marketing. We've helped hundreds of aesthetic practices sell more of their high-margin services and treatments. Visit RepeatMD.com AMSPA to book a quick product demonstration. That's RepeatMD.com AMSPA. You'll receive 50% off towards your purchase for being a listener of Medical Spa Insider. Again, RepeatMD.com AMSPA. So, so one thing you mentioned earlier was, um, you know, a, a new machine comes out or there's you know, new technology. Um, and w- w- one of the questions I always get um, is, you know, how much money do I need to start a practice? Or how should I figure out what types of things to add to my practice when I start? Or how do I decide which technology to add to my existing practice? And um, I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts on that because these, like, th- th- these, these machines get great results and, and and I'm a huge fan of Saiton also they're not you know paying me to say that they're just they've been great from the beginning and I've uh, everyone that I've that I've seen with work with them um, is 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 phenomenal um, but a lot of these machines from all the brands I mean they're they are not cheap right so you have to have it's an investment um, and, and and you have to figure out okay how am I going to make money off of these things how am I going to get you know get them paid off um, I'm curious going back in, in time whether it was to your first your first purchase or your last purchase um, it's how do you figure out okay this is what I'm going to do I'm going to I'm going to make the investment it's whatever money it's a hundred thousand dollars or however much it is and I'm doing it that's such a it's like People won't buy cars or homes for that much sometimes. Like, how do you how do you go into that decision? So that's a really hard decision. Yes. And I think that's such a great question. And I would say that in retrospect, um, I, I love the way that we did it. Um, so the first thing that I did was I was very familiar with Cyton therapies. I was very familiar with some other companies. Um, but I, I don't know that I really understood everything about all the different machines. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I did was I took a laser light and physics course. Mm-hmm. I, I went out and I saw it um, and it ended up being with John Hoopman, who still has his laser physics course. Actually, he has it online now and he does um, live classes as well. And I, again, I always go back to the science because mm-hmm. that's my, that's my comfort zone. That's my mm-hmm. safe spot. I understand science. I love it. And so I went back to a light and laser physics course to learn about not just the things I was comfortable with and understood, but all of the things that were out there. Because I think that in order to purchase one of these machines and they are pricey, they're expensive, mm-hmm. they're a good investment. And we'll talk about that, you know, once I kind of explain this, but mm-hmm you have to know what you're buying. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying you need to know everything about a car before you purchase it, but you should know the safety, you know, features of it. You should understand four wheel drive versus all wheel drive versus rear wheel drive. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things in order to drive the car that, that you need to understand in order to know that you're making a good purchase. And I don't think lasers are any different. So once I kind of took that class and understood a little bit more about all of the wavelengths that existed, Mm -hmm. how they interact with tissue, then it came down to, who is my patient? Who is my patient? Mm-hmm. What do they want? And what are they asking for? Mm-hmm. Because if you have an amazing machine mm-hmm. for rosacea, but your patients don't have rosacea, mm-hmm. what is that going to get you? So 
part of that was doing a little bit of research online and just doing simple Facebook polls and and asking, you know, other providers about what they're seeing quite a bit mm-hmm. in the area that you're in. And so we kind of said, you know, what is it about your skin that you'd like to improve? Browns, reds, unwanted hair, you know, we put all of those things out there and then it stimulated conversation. It gave us feedback about what people really are looking for. Mm-hmm. And so we went and we took that information and then said, okay, what machines are out there that are really, really well built? Because that was important to me. If I was going to be have one machine in my practice, that was going to be my moneymaker. Mm-hmm. I can't have it broken down. Right. So, and I also wasn't an established practice. I didn't have a bucket of money sitting in a savings account for when my machine broke down and it cost, you know, $3,000 to fix. At the time in my head, I'm like, oh my God, $3,000. You know, mm-hmm. I'm have, thinking about what are we going to take from one of our kids' college funds yeah. to repair this laser. Yeah. And that's just a real life conversation when you are a small business owner. So I thought, okay, I need something that's really well built. Similar similar to thinking about a car. Yeah. You want something that's going to start every day in your garage because you need to go to work. I need that machine to start every day up for me because I have patients that I need to treat. So yeah. we were looking at machines that were very well built that were hopefully, you know, built in the U.S. because that was important to us as well. You know, my dad worked at General Motors. My, you know, our family is very, you know, blue collar roots. And so, you know, I wanted something that was built in the U.S. And we also wanted something that would address a good number of concerns that people have Mm -hmm. initially. So we chose Saitan's Broadband Light not just because I had experience with it, but because when we really sat down and we made these columns of pros and cons Mm -hmm. and things that they treat versus cost, it was the best investment. It was not the cheapest machine. Mm -hmm. It was not the most reasonably priced machine. But what it did was it checked almost all the boxes that we had. Mm -hmm. We wanted a repair person that was close so that we didn't have more than a 24 hour period that something was going to be down. Mm -hmm. We wanted a company that offered a warranty. We wanted a company that offered us training, but also offered continued marketing support. So Mm -hmm. that was important. We wanted something that was a little bit more Mm well-known so that when we put that out um, for, you know, Google AdWords and SEO and you know, traffic to our website, that that would be something that people would recognize the name of. Oh, I know BBL. I know broadband. I've heard of that before. Mm-hmm. Um, we needed something that was smaller because we were in a small room. So I needed one box to do a bunch of different things mm-hmm. because I didn't have room for multiple boxes. Yeah. And so it really checked off everything that we were looking for. It would address you know, skin damage from brown spots and, you know, sun damage spots and different things like that. It was going to address reds, rosacea, blood vessels. It was going to address acne. It was going to address unwanted hair. Mm -hmm. It was going to address skin tightening. Mm -hmm. So it checked all the things that people were asking for when we put our poll out. And so we said, this is what we're going to start with. Yeah, that's, and we went from there. It's, it's amazing hearing you um, say that because I think what you did was, I mean, the way it should be done. That's 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 what you should should be doing with these with these decisions. I see so often, um, and, and, and oftentimes, and this is not exclusively. Oftentimes, it's with, um, oftentimes it's with plastic surgeons or, or derms who are already established and they have some cash and they're looking to expand into med spas and they'll go and they'll just start buying stuff, right? And they'll they'll have just everything. And, um, it, I, I've never understood that because it's, uh, we'll, we'll see people, you know, at, at our shows, just like, they'll just show up and see a, a new technology. Like I want it and they'll take it. And it's like, 
man, you've got to you've got to do the the research to make sure it's going to you're going to be able to market it and sell it. And it's it was so cool to hear you say that because um, it's 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 a I feel like it's it's almost a it's, it's a real it's it's kind of a problem is that people we see people overspend and spend their way out of business very quickly in this industry. Absolutely. And, you know, I remember being at one of the first um, med spa shows um, for AmSpa, and I heard someone speak about more of the business end of it. Because, again, yeah. I'm a provider and I was just learning about the business pieces of this. And so that was one of the reasons I wanted to go you know, to the AmSpa conference was because there were going to be some great people talking about business. And I saw that in the speaker list. And so I went and I remember hearing one of the speakers say, you need to make sure that every square inch of your practice is earning you money, that you have a good ROI on every square inch of that practice. And I took that into purchasing the machine because I was like, I need every square Mm -hmm. inch of this machine to give me a return on investment. I need to be excellent at using this. I need to be the best at using this machine in my practice. And so I didn't want to just use it for rosacea or just use it for acne because that would have been a poor use of it. I wanted to know how do you get amazing results with skin tightening? Mm -hmm. How do you get amazing results with rosacea, with brown spots? How do you safely do this where you get great patient outcomes and they're really happy? Because that was the other thing that I didn't think about when I was purchasing the machine, but that became very apparent afterwards. If people aren't getting great results with you and with whatever you have in your practice, they're going to go elsewhere. There's lots of choices out there. So if you cannot produce the type of result that you have promised them, they're going to go elsewhere. And so that became kind of the next focus is, okay, I have this machine now. I want to be the best at using this. So I sought out others Mm -hmm. that were doing this in the industry. I wanted to know who does the most BBLs in the country, who gets the best results. I want to go to that practice mm-hmm. and I want to train with them. Yeah. And that was Mint Aesthetics in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And so I bought a plane ticket and gave them a call and said, I want to train with you. Mm-hmm. I want to understand what you know about this machine because I need to know it because I need to get great results and I need my patients to be really happy. So I think also kind of doing your own research about who else has that in the mm-hmm. industry and then give them a call. That's the one thing I love about the AMSPA Facebook site and some of these other yeah. you know groups out there is you can just put something out there and be like, hey, does anyone know about this? Or yeah. does anyone have experience with this? Or does anyone train on that? Mm-hmm. And you're going to get all kinds of feedback from people and you know, people are going to, there's going to be a pattern, you know, you're going to say who does the best this, and then you're going to see the same practices come up over and over. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, those practices are happy to work with you. Um, you know, obviously sometimes people get a little nervous when it's in a competitive area, but there are plenty of places all over the U S that are doing this. So I have no problem going to Kansas city, Arizona, California, you know, my colleagues out there are happy to train me on those things. And so I think that understanding that you're going to purchase a machine, but then you also need to have a certain amount of funds allocated for your training as well. And I don't think practices think about that. They get the free training that the company provides that is like how to turn on the machine. how to change the filter, Mm -hmm. how to put water into it. Like that's all great, but you need more than that. So, you know, you kind of take that basic training, you get your hands on the machine, you work with a little bit, you treat your mom, you treat your sister, you treat your best friend. 
And as you start getting more questions about it, then you go to advanced training. And I think that's one of the biggest things about these energy-based devices is you can't just stop with, I know the basics. Right, right. You have to continue on for more advanced training, more advanced understanding. I still train with folks on my Saiton and I train for Saiton, but there are people out there that do things way differently than I do that have amazing ideas. I want to, I want to hear about that. I want to know their ideas. I want to see if it makes sense for my patients and my practice and in my hands. So I think that's important as well. One of the, I mean, one of the things I love about, um, the medical spa show, which is end of January, um, in in Vegas um is is people are so willing to share and like it's 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 there is competition and and you know some people are nervous about that but people seem to be just so excited to talk to other folks in their space and and I I, I love that about this industry and it's I, I think you're absolutely right like people can pick up the phone and call call you you can call someone else and 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 there there's there's not a lot of you know kind of snootiness with that it's 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 very open and and um which you know the the whole community over competition um thing that is is i think very true in, in our industry um what you know we've been talking for gosh going on 50 minutes already um one thing i did want to ask you about though was there's there's um you, you are on the aesthetic safety council with, with with us which has been which has been a really cool experience for for for, for me certainly and, and hopefully for everybody else the um one of the issues that's out there and this this came up in a recent you know law that was passed in ohio there's there's other laws that are that are being passed in other other states is about the the whole ablative versus non-ablative laser skin resurfacing and 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 what the supervision and delegation requirements should be surrounding those we actually had that in our original practice um guidelines um was ablative versus non-ablative and and we quickly found that there was a a, a fairly robust pushback to that just because it didn't seem to be um it didn't seem to be applicable as much anymore there's a you know technology has moved on um and and just for folks that are listening you know the the ablative the, the way the laws typically read is if it's ablative, it's expected to excise or vaporize, you know, the tissue under the skin. And therefore, like what happened in Ohio, what was recommended in um, Rhode Island recently and some other states is that there are some groups that are saying, you know, this should be done by physicians only, number one, or um, others, but only if physicians are kind of on the site, on site in the room. And and that's kind of been one of the things we've been talking about a lot on the on the council is how do we deal with with that because the technology is such where I, I feel like it's a lot safer than it used to be and, and I'm just kind of curious to hear your thoughts on the difference between the two and 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 what we should be thinking about what folks should be thinking about as far as you know who they need to have on site and, and who can actually do some of these more powerful lasers. That's a great question. It's, it's and probably I think would that take a whole hour in and of itself, but I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> sure, sure. I'll try to do the elevator speed <laughs> version of it. Um, I think that there are a couple different definitions of ablative that are floating out around there. Right. I've heard one that's um, anything that's deeper than 100 microns. I've heard right. anything that's below the dermal epidermal junction. So I think um, having an industry definition of ablative versus non-ablative is first and foremost going to be important for any legislature moving forward. Um, But I also think that there are certain quote unquote more ablative therapies that are safer than even light-based therapies. 
So when I'm training folks in my practice on nano peel, cool peel, um, you know, micro laser peel, aside from having the right eye protection, it's going to be really challenging for them to hurt someone with being appropriately trained on the right techniques, the right levels, Mm -hmm. understanding good skin anatomy, where things live, where you're going down to, and what the post-care is going to look like for that patient. So aside from some sort of machine malfunction and everyone completely forgetting about goggles and eyewear, mm-hmm. it's that patient is going to get a good outcome at a 4 to 10 micron, 10 to 20 micron, 20 mm-hmm. to 30 micron treatment, and they're going to heal beautifully if they're wearing sunscreen, and it's going to be no problem. With IPL, broadband light, different you know light therapies, it's a little bit easier to burn someone Mm -hmm. if you haven't appropriately chosen the right Fitzpatrick skin type. So if you didn't do step one correctly, steps two, three, and four can sometimes get a little bit dicey. Again, it all goes back to training. It all goes back to, do I understand what this light or laser does? What kind of skin am I working with? And what are safe settings for that skin and for this machine? So I think that there are a lot of folks, you know, my friend Erin Blackwell in Atlanta, she's mm-hmm. an esthetician. She runs a blade of laser, well, halo and different things like that. And she does resurfacing and she does broadband light and she does amazing work and she's incredibly safe and fabulously educated. And then there are other physicians that I've seen um, that mm-hmm. are a little bit less confident in some of these different therapies. And then there are nurses and nurse practitioners who are doing these every single day who are incredibly well-educated. So I think experience matters. I think that education matters. I think that um, these companies that are putting out default settings now or suggested settings based on Fitzpatrick skin type are incredibly helpful and have made it so much safer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just a complicated question that's multifactorial where you have good and bad everything in every industry. You have people that are new at a therapy. You have people that are incredibly experienced. Mm -hmm. So it's like comparing apples to oranges when I'm talking about um, perhaps an esthetician that has no experience with light or laser, maybe just taking an eight-hour course in it and then saying, okay, I'm safe to go out and treat patients versus an esthetician with 25 years experience that is, that's been doing laser forever Yeah, and their understanding. Yeah. Um, but regardless, those estheticians don't have RN training on skin assessment. They don't have a license that says that they are safe beginning providers and that they can do mm-hmm. a patient assessment right. of that skin. And so then you have that next level of RNs that, that do have that LPNs, more observational RNs, more assessment focused. Then you have nurse practitioners who can assess the skin, understand all of that and prescribe in the event that there is a complication. And then you also have physicians who are working at the top of their scope as well, who, you know, a lot of times are doing these therapies, they're managing, you know, pre and post care complications, different things like that. And also, Um, overseeing a number of individuals possibly that are doing these things. I like to see everyone practice to the top of their scope. Right. As long as they're educated in doing that and they have good support in place and they have folks that are in the practice 
that can help them if they run into something that's abnormal, something they've never seen. And perhaps it's not even them or their settings. Perhaps it's a machine malfunction. Mm -hmm. But being able to critically think your way through a patient that's not responding as you expect them to or a machine that's not producing the result that you expect it to, I think it just really comes down to the educational process of that. Um, I like the idea of having physicians who really can give you advice when you run into difficulty, but the way that the law is written now in Ohio, um, specifically, I can speak to that just because I'm practicing here, is it can be, you know, any physician that is doing this, um, they don't necessarily have to have a great amount of experience. So what I have run into is there's physicians that I have trained or nurse practitioners or PAs that I have trained, um, but then can turn around and charge me for being their collaborator. So I train them and all of the things. And mm-hmm. then now all of a sudden they're like, Hey, I can collaborate with you. And you, if you pay me this much a month and I think that negates that whole collaborative process that mm-hmm. Ohio was expecting, yeah. which is someone who I can go to if I run into difficulty when really it's, okay, I've trained this person, but now yeah. I, in order to practice in Ohio, I have to turn around and pay them a certain amount, even though I'm probably not going to call them for complications. Yeah, I, I, I'm the one that te- taught them how to manage complications. Totally. So it just, it just seems very backwards to me. Um, but I, I really think most of, most of the time, you know, how safe you are comes down to your education, your self-awareness, knowing what you do and do not know, knowing where you are as a provider. If you're just beginning in something, you might want to stay with those safe default settings. If you have years and years of experience and you know what changing that amount of energy is going to do in the tissue on that machine, maybe you're a little bit more aggressive with things. Um, yeah. It really just comes down to that. And that's hard to standardize. It is. Right? That's, it is. It's really challenging. That's, I think, the biggest challenge on our safety council is standardization of education, of certification, of management. Um, I think there's amazing nurses out there, amazing estheticians, amazing nurse practitioners, PAs, physicians. It's just a matter of making sure that everyone's practicing safely and understands the technology and understands and structure. I think the, I I think the, the, I I agree with everything you just said. It was like incredibly, um, you know, astute in in, in your observations. And I I think the, the, the thing that I'm learning with through the safety council is more just is, 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 is what not to say, because for, for me, I think the issue with the, the Ohio law and some of these other laws that we've seen is that using just blanket statements like a blade of lasers must be done by a physician, right? Or a blade of lasers must be done with a physician on site. It, it ignores really two main things. One is that there, there's technology out there. And I think you mentioned this where even though it's an ablative technology, quote unquote, ablative technology, the, the risks are lower than um, you know, an IPL or a, or, or, or a light-based therapy. Um, and the other is that just because someone's a physician or just because they have physician supervision on site doesn't mean that they know how to use the technology in a way that's not going to hurt somebody. There's so much more that goes into it. And, and I, I, um, the, the, the law in Ohio was, was one that, you know, it's, it, it was, they just made this blanket statement like, okay, you've got to, you know, you've got to have direct physician oversight if you're going to do ablative. And, 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 and there's other states that do that. I, I really want to get, I want folks to get away from that. I think we need to be a little more nuanced than that is particularly as the technology improves. I mean, I think the thing that 
you're going to be dealing with in Ohio is in, say, 10 years or 15 years from now, Cyton or someone else is going to come out with a with an, a quote unquote a blade of laser that is going to be so advanced that the risks of injury are are much much smaller. But you're still going to be operating under the same archaic rules, and we've got to figure out a way to get around that. Um, yeah, I'm just I agree. I think preaching. the the most disappointing thing about listening to um, you know the medical board meetings that where these decisions were made was that they didn't have anyone that was there that used these therapies every day. Right. And so they were talking about the safety of laser hair reduction and how one of the statements that was made was, you'd basically have to fire it for an hour in the same area in order to injure someone. And that's completely untrue. And I've seen more burns with laser hair Mm -hmm. than I have with a blade of therapies, frankly, in my experience. And so... The lack of understanding of what these machines really do and how they work. And I think that, you know, pulling in an expert who doesn't just understand these therapies, but also performs these treatments on a daily basis or supervises those who perform these treatments Mm -hmm. on a daily basis would have been really helpful for their understanding of how that works. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree, and I think what's what's what was disappointing about that was Amspa was late to the game, but not super late. But by the time you kind of get into it, um, a lot of these decisions have been made, and, and the way that bill was passed, um, kind of under the you know dark of night, and, and we've seen this in other states too, is that um, the die gets cast, and that's why I'm, I'm very passionate about trying to build up some you know not only our association but just everyone needs to get together on this because these laws will be passed and they'll be passed um without our knowledge um anyway i don't want to get i don't want to get down that road too much but um we'll we'll have to get that you know what i think would be cool would be to do a um i would love to get you and and, and maybe get some others on and, and do kind of a joint talk on um on just kind of you know how to go about discussing these types of, of, of lasers and how they should be used. And I think there's a lot of different perspectives out there. And I, I, there, there's, it's, it's, it, we're just scratching the surface on, on how deep we can get, um, on this. So it's, it's a very, very, um, long and complicated topic that we could probably talk about all day. And people have very, very different, different opinions. You go out and talk to some dermatologists and they're just like, nobody should be using these, but us, but then there's others who are much more relaxed on that. I agree. I think one of the um, most amazing things about the Safety Council has been a group of estheticians, RNs, nurse practitioners, PAs, and physicians all working together. And we're really, I feel like, a great group. And we listen to each other. And we try to understand the perspectives of one another. And it's been fascinating to see these things from you know through different glasses essentially and everyone has been very respectful um they've been very interested in hearing all of those viewpoints and have taken all of those things into consideration when creating this set of guidelines um that we have and so you know i would tell people who eventually will read that document that this truly was developed by all of us yeah. That it wasn't, you know, there wasn't one dictatorship, you know, situation. We all had, you know, a lot of insight that we shared and it was taken seriously and it was a very respectful conversation. And I think 
We actually left though, and this is how research is, all great research leads to more research. I think all of these great conversations have left us with more questions about how can we make things even better than they are? How can we help folks understand our industry better and understand what safety truly means? Okay, well, Aaron, we have been going for a long time, and um, I don't want to bore anybody or have them drive off the road or, or immediately go buy a laser. Um, but um, I, just real quick, if folks want to reach you and learn more about you or talk to you and get some advice, wh- where can they reach you? So we have a website, which is, I think, the first place that most folks um, go to, which is blushnwo.com. Um, and really, there's a form to there that they can fill out if they'd like to see us as a patient. If they would like to contact me, my email is Aaron at blushnwo.com. I check that frequently throughout the day and I try to respond to all messages that come in my direction. So um, especially if you have you know different questions about things, we do have an Instagram site mm-hmm. as well. And so we're just blush aesthetics on there. So if you want to take a look at some of the videos we have or some of the before and after results, some of the education that we do there. Um, we try to use that as our portfolio for our business. So we have locations in Perrysburg, Ohio and Toledo, Ohio, and we're just really having a great year, thank goodness. And so we've been able to add some more staff on as well, and they're wonderful. So, you know, take a look and, and see what you think. And if you have any questions, please reach out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming. It was a, I'm so happy uh, that, that you came on. We'll, we'll definitely have you back soon. Oh, it was an honor. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining us this week with the American Med Spa podcast, Medical Spa Insider. This week, founder Alex Tiersch was joined by Aaron Hennessy, nurse practitioner and owner of Blush Aesthetics. If you're new with us, we would love to invite you to hit the subscribe button. Click it now so you can get AmSpa content delivered to you each time. Leave a rating and a review. See you on our next episode.